podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi guys, it's Tino here, host of the Celtic Exchange. Regular listeners will know that we provide our subscribers with detailed pre- and post-match shows for every Celtic game as part of our Celtic Exchange Plus subscription. If you haven't yet signed up for that, then we wanted to give you a chance to sample those shows for yourself over the next few days and to give you a feel for exactly what's included with them. So on that note, we'll be making our full match content for Celtic's Scottish Premiership game with Hibs on Saturday, as well as our League Cup quarterfinal with Motherwell on Wednesday, completely free, so you can listen in and enjoy those shows in full. You're just about to listen to the Hibs pre-match with myself and Miff, and we'll also then make the post-match show for the game available to you shortly after the final whistle at Celtic Park tomorrow. When you get the chance, visit the celticexchange.supercast.com where you'll find details on the Celtic Exchange Plus and exactly what's included when you subscribe. And if you want to drop me a note on anything else at all, then you can do so at tino at theceltichexchange.com. But in the meantime, enjoy the extra shows. Sponsored by 1010 Podcasts. The Celtic Exchange, a fresh insight on Celtic Football Club. Hi folks, Tino here with the warm-up show ahead of Celtic v Hibs tomorrow and I'm joined for this one by Mystic Miff. Miff, a funny old week and some wild takes on the back of the Leipzig result on Tuesday. Where do you think Ange and the team find themselves just now ahead of this one tomorrow? Hello Tino, hello listeners. Um, yeah, yeah, funny old week. Um, where do they find themselves? I, th- I still think they find themselves in a good position. You know, it's a very easy thing to say but just compare and contrast this time last year with where we are now. Um, I feel I feel we're still in a strong position, albeit weakened weakened in Europe by the defeats. But I don't necessarily see um, see the the, the defeats as or, or the manner of the defeats is necessarily negative. I think we've acquitted ourselves well. We've shown up well. Of course, we want to be more than that, but we have to understand that we're, we're going through a process and, and we just have to trust the manager in that. So um, I think results elsewhere um, showed that whilst. Um, not winning is um, is is annoying. Um, at least competing is 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 a start to building something that will hopefully bear fruit in the future. Yeah, definitely. It's interesting that yeah, as you say, you know, we've not won during the week. It's you know two 0 defeat, and you get the same zero points for two 0 as seven one, for example. But it's interesting that Celtic and Rangers are getting thrown in there, you know, into another bad week for Scottish football. Andrew would be the first to tell you, yes, he's disappointed with the result, but we are far from what, what happened across the city and, and we definitely competed. Yeah, and, and have done in, in, in each game. I think it's just like anything in life, you need to look at context. You kind of just look at it at a very high level. And, you know, I think we're, we're very used to lazy journalism in, in Scotland. Let's be honest with that. That's hence why fan media is gaining such um, such numbers that people, people want to listen to. Um, fans talking and, and trying to talk in a, a, a relatively relatable way about about their club. Um, you know, it's not tub thumping by any manner of means or happy clam. It's just really trying to see the positives in things rather than the constant negatives. Um, and I think there are positives with Celtic. However, football is a competitive game. You go to the game to cheer your team on and watch your team win. You don't go there for your team to, you know, have a plucky 2-0 defeat. It's annoying. I walked out the ground and Tuesday night, very annoyed. Um as, as was the wee man as well, you know, we went there wanting to win, hoping to win. 
Um, but after the emotion passes in the cold light of day, you can then analyse the game, you can look back. Um, I even watched a wee bit of the, the highlights of the Leipzig game this morning. But Maeda's header isn't actually a million miles away. It, it, he's, it, I didn't realise it was so kind of it was behind him. He's actually done well to get something on it, and it it, it just goes past the the post. At, at the game, I thought it kind of wound over the bar. Just you only get to see it once, type thing. But looking back, he's actually done well to get kind of head round it. Um, I'm not absolving him for, for missing that. I, I still felt he should have been in the net. He probably should have been with his foot actually rather than his head. But um, just those those wee things when you kind of take the emotion out and go back and look, and you can say right, well, you know, fine fine margins and all that. It just seems that this season in the Champions League it's went against us. Yeah, there's been what I would definitely describe as an overreaction to the the result on Tuesday. I'm the same as you. So I done the post match with James, and frustration was the word of the day. You know, there's various opportunities to go and at least score, if not, you know, pick up a point or all three. And we failed to do so. So your immediate response is that you're, you're disappointed, you're frustrated, frustrated, and you know that we can do better. But as you say, I think it's also important to take that step back, whether it be in the Wednesday, Thursday, or, or even as late as today, and say, okay, you know, we, we could have done better there, but here's the you know the bigger picture on things. And on that note, what's your take on on the bigger picture, just in terms of our our Champions League performance so far, and and where we find ourselves on that stage? Well, whilst, whilst the results have been have been the same, but maybe slightly better than, than under Rogers. Um, on in general, I, I think the performances have been better. I think we've acquitted ourselves with more credit. I think we're seeing more of the ball. We're creating more chances than we have done at this level in, in many many years. I mean, even even under striking, it was a more not giving chances away model that we, we followed and hitting teams in the counter than it was necessarily trying to trying to go toe to toe with teams. So. Again, whilst you don't gain any additional points for trying to go toe-to-toe or trying to impose your game on the opposition, I still think it is to Celtic and Angie's credit that we are. Um, the, the word that was used amongst me and a couple of the boys was, was pragmatism. That is, is, is a room, it, it doesn't have to be one extreme to the other. Um, what you saw in the Lennon's uh, Nicosia team, Old Trafford last night, very much backs to the wall. You know, Lenny likes to to kind of play that that way in Europe and, and did do with Celtic to, to huge success in beating Barcelona let's not forget that but um, in, in, in general did we see a lot of the ball no did we create a huge amount of chances in Europe generally not even under Rodgers so I think it's um, I think it's a means to an end but, but the end product that we want to get to is regularly being in the competition and then regularly getting out the, the group stages to do that I think the best way to achieve that is just getting better at what Angie's asking us to do what that means is moving the ball quicker. And if the guys that are in the squad can't do that, then getting better players in to do it. I think then the onus is on the board to, to back the manager continually. The the one thing I think is quite glaring about, about Ange, um, not to dwell too too much on the, the, the Leipzig game in, in isolation, but um, it seems to be kind of very similar changes being made regardless of the context of the game. Um, and also the, the signings of the summer, um, other than the ones we made permanent, haven't really come in and, and, and made a huge amount of difference, albeit the caveat I'll make to that are both Haksabanovic and Jens seem to now be, be kind of slowly uh, making a difference in, in, in games. Jens certainly looks a lot more assured to be big Carter Vickers next to him, and Haksabanovic looks like he's got wee bits of magic in him every now and then. Do you think the whole thing, Math, requires us as fans to be a lot more patient and, and I very much include 
us as in you know you and I and, and the guys on the show here. Um, there's various takes online and and everyone's you know entitled to their opinion, but there's a lot of folk trying to compare us with a club Bruges, for example. I think they they currently find themselves in their fourth consecutive Champions League campaign. They're spending, I think, maybe 12, 15 million on a striker, things like that. And people saying, well, look at Bruges. They're sitting, I think they've got 10 points after their four games. That's great for Bruges, but this hasn't happened overnight. Do you think there's a, a big onus on us as fans to, you know, whilst it's understandable to get annoyed on the night against a Leipzig, take a step back, look at the bigger picture and give that support and patience to the manager? Absolutely. Well, that, that, that's what support is. I mean, the, the manager's not, not without criticism. But I think, you know, the changes that he made, I thought Moy, Moy and Turnbull playing in the same midfield, you know, if, if they're not going to do it against St Myrna, can I see them doing it against Leipzig? So, um, I, I think it's a combination. That That's one that, that I'm, I'm wary of. However, however, that said, um, I actually thought both done well when they come on. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I, I suppose it just shows that that's where for me you talk about how, how we need to act as fans. Speaking for myself, I need to take a step back and say, right, well, the manager works with these players every day. Do I trust the manager? Yes. If these are the, the if that's who he thinks are the best players to see the game out, fine. You could actually argue that Moy probably should have scored when he was on rather than cut the ball back. Could have could have done yeah. effort, which I think he would have been close with. He's got pretty good technique. Um and Moy. So yeah, whilst it's frustrating. Of course, I think I think we all just need to be realistic. It's our first season in, in the Champions League in, in you know quite some time, and we just need to take that step back and say, right, okay, it's maybe not went the way we had hoped. It isn't the worst group in the world, but I repeat again, we have by no means been disgraced. Yeah, yeah, I've got to agree with that. It's the first time at the big table in five years, and I think we just need to allow for this steady progression. And this would be a different conversation next year. Hopefully, you know back at the same level of football and we can see what kind of progress we've made. Miff, is, is the wee fella been coming up the road after these games asking why his dad's so grumpy on, on Tuesdays and Wednesday nights? Uh, I, will, I mean, again, he's, um, he's he's not been too used to going to Celtic Park and watching Celtic beat, so it's quite a rare occurrence for him as well. Um, but I, I, uh, I mean, he's, he's not, he wasn't happy. He wasn't happy. Dad, dad wasn't happy either. Um, you know, twelve pound for pie chips and two fanta's either doesn't doesn't help. So, oh no, a bad night. Yeah, I wonder if your wee fella is part of the problem with this new entitled breed of Celtic yeah. supporters. Entitled, just entitled, right. <laughs> only ever used to success. Yeah. All right, so listen. Three strips a season. What's that? Three strips a season. Aye, and that's just you. Um, <laughs> all right, so listen. Let's turn attention to the Hibs game. So obviously, Andrew's speaking this afternoon at the press conference. First up, uh, a bit of a an injury update. Jota's still out. Um, not not any detail as such on what what the situation is. I think it's just muscle fatigue is the the general chat from Ange. So Jota misses out tomorrow. Turnbull has picked up some sort of ankle knock during the week, and Stephen Welsh has picked up something in training. So um, frustrating for those lads because I would say for Turnbull, this is a moment where the at a moment in time where the midfield's not quite settled with Callum McGregor's absence, and he'll be disappointed that he's not. You know, put himself in with a chance to to play more regular football. I would agree with that. I think um, he would have seen this as an opportunity for him to stake his claim. Um, you know, to to maybe step in and be a genuine number eight if if Ireland was going to sit deeper or Hattie was going to sit deeper. Um, 
I must say I really like the look of Haksabanovic in the centre. Um, I think I think that is exactly the type of player we'll be needing. Um, you know, kind of maybe a slightly more dynamic Rogic in, in, in terms of picking the ball up and covering the ground quickly to drive the defences and draw defences out. Um, not saying for a minute. I mean, if he, if he turns out to be half as good a player as Rogic was for Celtic, I'll be delighted. But I mean, in terms of he's, he's a more dynamic style of player. Um, but for, for Turnbull, uh, yeah, you know, you, you maybe just get the feeling with David Turnbull, he's almost became a bit of the forgotten man after being the one shining light for Celtic a couple of seasons back and looking like if you know somebody you could build a team around. He's kind of became on, on the peripheries that you know the, the first sub on or the first one off, um, getting subbed off when, when he is starting games. He's not really had a run of games starting, um, and I think he would have he would have seen the next few weeks leading up to the the break for the World Cup as an opportunity for that. However, um, that that's why we have the, the squad that we have. You know, if we can absorb the likes of Turnbull and McGregor being out and, and maintain our place at the top of the league, then we'll be doing well. Yeah. Um, from Stephen Welsh's point of view, less opportunity for him at this moment in time. It looks like he's firmly fourth of four centre-halves, fourth choice. And obviously Jens get the nod during the week. I thought Jens and Carl Vickers were excellent, actually. I thought the two of them had a, a very good game together. And definitely in the absence of Starfield, that would probably be the, the pairing moving forward. It does leave his light in that area, doesn't it? Because, you know, touch wood and all that stuff. But if Carter Vickers or Jens were to pick up a knock tomorrow, who comes in for them? I know, I think I think you'd actually be looking at potential Abelgaard going back and playing in there. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, that that is concerning. As much as you can talk about squad depth, it's pretty unprecedented to be have you know, three centre halves out at the one time, but if somebody else picks up a nickel, that's exactly what we'd be looking at. So, you know, is there anyone in the youth team that can can step in? Um, Boston Lowell um, would probably be the next cab off the rank, albeit he looked slightly unprepared for first team football in, in pre season, although I've seen conflicting reports on that. I personally thought he looked a bit undercooked, whereas others seemed to think that he was he was first team ready. Um, Dane Murray would have been the obvious one for, for me had he not picked up his, his injury. I thought he really looked like somebody we could we could get in and around the squad and give some game time to as, as the season progressed, um, certainly last season. But, yeah, I, I, listen, I, McGregor, Starfield were, were two absolute cornerstones of the team last year. So, they, them being out, it's going, it's going to hurt us. But um, I agree with you. I thought Carter Vickers and Jens were excellent midweek. Um, and hopefully that's a partnership that can just continue to build. Yeah, I hope so. Um, but yeah, Starfelt missing, Carmack, obviously longer term as well, and Jota, you know, three very, very important players to us, and the sooner those three guys are back, the better. Uh, in terms of Hibs, so I didn't quite realise that they'd kind of crept up to third on the table. Obviously, there was, I think, quite a lot of negative headlines at the start of the season about how Lee Johnson was doing, and I kind of blinked and missed their, their ascent up the table. So they had four wins on the bounce up until their midweek loss there at Dundee United which will be pretty disappointing because United are far from the form team at this moment in time. Um, but generally speaking, Habs can be pretty pleased to find themselves third on the table. They're five points behind Rangers and seven behind us. What do you think, them? Have you seen much of them this season? And, and what's your general take on how they are at the moment? I've seen their performance against Hearts. I watched the Hearts-Hibs game and I thought I thought they were actually second best in that game. Um, not not like me, can I compliment the Jambos, but... Um, I thought I thought Hearts just looked a better team. It was to Hibs's credit they, they dug it out. In, in fairness, um, Lee Johnson, obviously my English loyal is live with Bristol City, so I'm quite familiar with Lee Johnson. Um, done an excellent job at City. Uh, 
despite continually losing his, his best players year on year, he, he seemed to always build a, a very good squad for the Championship. Um, memorably put Manchester United out the, the League Cup. Um, but his job at Hibs, yeah, Hibs, Hibs are one of those clubs where they've, they've invested, but I, I, it just it remains to be seen where, where their ambitions actually lie. Will they, you know, will they do what Aberdeen done and, and kind of flip with, with, with splitting Celtic and Rangers and then, then just kind of like drop back again? Or, or, or are they going to be here for the, for the long haul? I think Hibs as a club are under pressure to do that because of Hartsey's re-emergence um, under and Budge and, and subsequently Robin Nielsen and, and Joe Savage. I think that's put a bit of pressure on Hibs to, to be seen to be doing, doing similar, um, investing in the squad. Quite interesting, I've seen what, um, what Lee Johnson said about uh, Ryan Portis, saying that Ryan Portis was being targeted by, by the opposition, which I, I found quite amusing, given that it seems Ryan Portis seems to like to target the opposition himself. So, um, But there's, there's no doubt, I mean, I thought, I thought he was excellent for Scotland. He is the kind of buzz player in Scottish football at the minute. Um, and yeah, just I think it's all set up for a, for an excellent game. Uh, I I would I would be very hopeful of, of Celtic winning, um, albeit that I think like you say, Hibs have kind of crept up to third in the table. Although I'd need to take issue with the the, the comment about Dundee United. Given bearing in mind that they've just also cuffed Aberdeen at home as well, so it maybe be that United are just going through a wee bit of resurgence themselves as well. You might be right. Um, I mean they're currently second bottom. I think United on eight points, but. The resurgence has to start somewhere, and yeah, maybe they've just picked up a bit of form at the the right time. There's a lot of good players in that Dundee United team, and and yep. maybe they're starting to gel under their, their new manager. Um, you mentioned Ryan Portis. A lot of talk about him for Celtic as well. You know, if only just in the rumor mill, and he divides opinion. I, I, like you, I'm sure you've seen plenty of good things from him, and quite a lot of nonsense as well. But he's still a young guy, potentially, you know, room to develop. Would you take him at Celtic? Um, I, probably not, not, not exactly at this moment. Well, maybe if another couple get centre halves get injured, then yes. But uh, probably not at this moment. I think, I think he's in the right place for his development. I think he's doing well. He seems to be getting better and better each year. Um, I don't, I don't know what to put in the water at the, the Hibs Youth Academy and training ground. All these um, characters, shall we say, that they seem to bring through mm. uh, there. But uh, Portis is, is another one in a, in a long line there. But no, I, I mean, listen. I, I, I wouldn't necessarily have too many objections to him, to him coming to Celtic, but I think I think he's he's in the right place just now for for his career. Um, I think he will go into bigger and better things in Hibs, and I say that with all due respect. Um, I I just think his performance for for Scotland showed that he is capable when switched on. Uh, I think the biggest worry that that Hibs fans would have with Portis, as as Scotland fans would have, is that he's got that. Kind of moment of madness in him just now. That just seems to be part of his, his character. Whilst he's a young man learning his way in the game, um, but the, but the hope would be that he kind of matures beyond that and becomes a, a genuine leader as a centre half often can. So, in answer to your question, Portis maybe in the future, but but not now. Yeah, I wouldn't be completely against it. I think the the, the right manager and the the right club, the right environment, he could go on to be a very decent player. So we'll see if Celtic are anyway interested in him. January next summer or any time moving forward. I do think Hibs as well, it's easy to forget that, you know, in this spell where they've suddenly found themselves third, they're also missing what I would say is their, their main striker in the shape of Kevin Nisbet. He was very unlucky to pick up a bad injury, I think just at the tail end of last season or maybe even a couple of months out from the end of the season. But 
he's got to be a big loss to anybody. And then their, their key signing, or certainly one of their key signings over the summer, was the very experienced Aidan McGeady. And Lee Johnson's had to do this this without both of those players amongst several other injuries. So credit where it's due for the, the job he's doing. No, absolutely. Um, I, 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 and like you say, there was a lot of negativity around the club at the start of the season. And the Hibs job is a huge job, comes a lot of, a lot of pressure, um, amplified by the fact that Hearts have qualified for Europe and, and, and the, in the Conference League and, and things like that. So that makes that job all, all the harder. Um, but it, it's to, to his credit, he seems to have managed to turn it around. I think he'd also taken ill at the, the start of the season. I think he was in hospital with appendicitis for a couple of weeks as well. I think so, it was, yeah, gallstones or something yeah, like that. There was some, some issue at the start of the season which meant he'd missed a few games. So, yeah, I, I think that, that says everything you need to know about. I mean, in the day, Lee Johnson has become experienced with the jobs he's had at, at Bristol City and then at um, Sunderland as well. So, you know, he's, he's managed he's managed big clubs. So I don't think necessarily have his job will phase him. But I think he, he did play for Hearts, Lee Johnson. Did he? Ah, I'm pretty sure he played for Hearts. Only for a short period of time, but I'm pretty sure he played for Hearts. So, you know, loads of, loads of wee things that will add pressure there. But I, I think the, the job that he's done is very commendable. But hopefully, hopefully um, the, the, the rot will continue on, on Saturday. So depart. Yeah, I'd like to think, given where they find themselves, that they might come and have, not a go, but open out a bit more than some other clubs might. And, and hopefully in the day that makes for a, a decent game of football. So we'll see how they, they approach it. Um, in terms of how we approach it, Miff, so a few big decisions for Ange to make in terms of the lineup. Carter Vickers will captain again, and I was I was pretty pleased to see him uh, with the armband on Tuesday. I thought he, as I say, had a very good game alongside Jen. So there's no doubt those two will be the centre-half pair again. But what's the other big decisions? Does O'Reilly remain in the number six, or, or does Abelgaard step in there for you? I suppose that just depends on fitness. I think, um, for me, <laughs> I really played so well in that position. Um, I'd, I'd be tempted to keep him there, albeit that you know Abelgaard's got to come in at some point. I think you, you, you need to play him. Um, I know Ange is, is very wary of that. I mean, Haxabanovic had to sit out until he was deemed has been up to speed. I think the same situation's happening with, with Abelgaard, albeit that he did arrive with a niggle, I believe. Um, so, I, I, the one thing, I, I think Haxabanovic and Hattati are two certain starters. It's then down to, down to who, who, who's in there with them. That's how I see it. You might actually see Moy on um, on Saturday. But, I, 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 would, I would imagine... I would imagine it'll be Abelgaard's first start. That's my that's my gut feeling. Okay. Um another key question. I think I know the answer to this in terms of how Andrew works, but does Dyes and Maeda play tomorrow? Eh, does Dyes and Maeda play? Um I think James Forrest plays. There's a good argument for it. Um I know you're more of a fan than I am, but I think credit where it's due. I thought he was decent when he came in on Tuesday. I thought he looked like he wanted to make something happen and he certainly you know, played his part in trying to get his back into the game. I th- again, I think he'll, he'll look sharp when he came on against St. Johnson. At the end of the day, if, if we're being consistent, we're being fair when, when players have been given these you know, cameos or, or, or chances to shine and they're showing that they're sharp in form, as Forrest appears to be, um, entering into these kind of autumnal winter months where it's all about grinding out points and, or sorry, get, gaining points and grinding out results. I think that, um, I think that James Forrest has been over the course and distance. 
enough times that he can be trusted. He's a safe pair of hands in these situations. If somebody like Maeda is lacking confidence, as, as Ange has come out and said himself, you know, I think it's often forgotten that um, he is only 24, that he's in Maeda. Yeah. Um, you know, he's in a new country. He's had a bit of a little one start. Um, you know, he did start the season relatively well. But he seems to have been pigeonholed as a kind of workhorse with, with no technical ability by yourself, among others, um, Tino. So, the, the, <laughs> the, um, I, I think I think Angie's chat through the week is, well, do we, do we just bin him off because he's not the finished article? Of course, we don't. We work, we work with him. We try and make him better. We've got a manager who I believe will make him better. Um, but in the meantime, to take him out the firing line and stick in an experienced winger like James Forrest, who, you know, is more than likely to pop up with an assist or a goal when you play him, I, you know, I, th- I think it's a, it's a very obvious solution for me. It may well be, um, although Ange isn't a man for the obvious solution. And I think, whereas most managers might do the, to use your very words, take him out the firing line approach, I think Ange does the whole keep him in the firing line approach because sometimes that's how he feels you get the best out of someone. We seen it last year with Rio Hitati. He was clearly fatigued at times, clearly at times, clearly struggling to certainly see out the ninety minutes, if not sixty minutes. And Ange just kept playing him, despite everybody saying you need to rest this guy. He just kept doing it and kept doing it. And I think that's his way of saying to the guy, no, no, that's the easy out. Let's just keep you in there, keep doing what you should be doing, and the rewards will come. Yeah, I mean, he's... um, Ange Ange has got his own way of doing things. Uh, I don't think him... What, what we see or what he picks up at press conferences or even what he hears for the stands makes one blind bit of difference to his thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it really would be interesting to just sit and talk to him for 15 minutes to, to hear how he, how he remains so so focused because um, it's... I don't necessarily think Andrew's is pig-headed as such. I just think he's got such a huge belief in his methods and the way that he works that it's like... No, I know what I'm doing. I know how I'm handling this player. I feel I know my player best. I know what's best for them, and this is the route that I'm going down. Um, it leaves him open to scrutiny, uh, and and it it makes for great great discussion points for us on on things like this where we can we can debate them. But um, for for me personally, based on based on what I've seen over the past few weeks, um, I actually didn't think Maida had that that bad a game on on Tuesday night. I thought he actually did okay. Um, but the, the the kind of moment in the in the second half where he's tried the first time left foot across at a oh. time when we needed to be up the other end of the park and yeah um, you know even for me who who I, I am a Maeda advocate and and supporter um that that was you know that, and I think that moment even for the most staunch for want of a better word um, <laughs> Maeda fan. Would, would be one where you went right, you know, this guy's head is absolutely scrambled. You need to take him out the firing line. So that's that's my, you know, that's where I'm coming from with it. Um, and also based on the fact that when Forrest has been given opportunity to show, is he ready? He looks ready to me. Yeah, and it might well be the time for James Forrest to get his, his first start of the season. And there's also a bad in the mix. He's back uh, available after he's... He's not that he took in the first half, I think. He went off around about 40 minutes-ish. Um, he's available too. So whether it's Forrest, Abada or Maeda, there's a call for Ange to be making there. Uh, last one I'll ask you in terms of team selection. Uh, I'll probably ask you every time we do these, but is it Jack Amakis or Kyogo tomorrow? Uh, Jack Amakis probably for me, just just given that I thought at times Kyogo looked a wee bit laboured on Tuesday night. 
a few times I noticed it wasn't shutting down with his, his same verve that he normally does. Um, a couple of times the game actually passed him by when he, he, was, he was static, when he could have been on the move to pick things up, which just doesn't like him. He's, he's eminently mobile, uh, Kyogo. So it was quite unusual to see that. Now, whether that was a lack of confidence from him as well, you know, he's, he's maybe not been hitting the net with the same regularity. And certainly in the Champions League stage, he's missed a few, missed a few chances. Um, but I don't know, maybe there's a wee bit of that with, with Kyogo as well at, at the minute. But again, I, I'm saying I would start Jack and Marcus. It would be a very anxious thing to do that my and Kyogo start against Hibs. Yeah, it might well be. I agree with you, though. I'm, I would take the same approach that I think it's a time for Jack and Marcus. He'll have been so frustrated that he got the winner last weekend, but then found himself on the bench again, you know, despite you know him doing all that he can. Um, I think Jack Marcus at Celtic Park, full house against Hibs, he'll get opportunities and yeah, I, I think he might well get the nod to start this one tomorrow. Um, Muff, all things considered then, so we've spoken about Hibs, we've spoken about us, what's your scoreline prediction for this one? Uh, 3-1 Celtic. 3-1 Celtic. I usually have a think about it before we come on and, and I hadn't quite, um, so just thinking it through, it's just so, so important to get a win of any sorts and I said this last weekend. We're not at our best by any stretch, but I do think we will go on and win it, but it won't be comfortable. I'm going to go for 2-0 Celtic on the day. Muff, any final thoughts as we start to wrap this one up? Uh, no, no, not really. The, the, the run of fixtures that we've got coming up is pretty brutal up until the, the World Cup. You know, it's, it's just a case of taking it a game at a time, um, as, is, as is always the case. Um, it's, it's down to what we do. I would imagine you mentioned there a lot about Hibs coming and shutting up shop. Can't see that being the case. That you know, even even Hibs would have maybe not had their, their best lineups. They are a club who don't come and, and park the bus. They'll, they'll generally try and play, you know, another 10, 15 yards further up apartment opposition team, normal opposition teams do. The Celtic Park, I, I associate Celtic Hibs games at, at Celtic Park as being, you know, both teams, both teams trying to go at each other. Yeah, I don't I don't see why the game in Saturday will be any different. So uh, no, I, I expect I expect a fairly open game. Um you know, whilst Hibs will be cautious to a degree. I expect a fairly open game. Um but I'm 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 very hopeful that a Celtic will come out on top. Yeah, hopefully a decent game all round, but most importantly, a Celtic win. So after another tough week in Europe, it's back to league action tomorrow afternoon and a three o'clock kickoff at Celtic Park. A win would take us five clear on the table for 24 hours at least and that will be the sole focus for Ange and the players at the moment. Thanks to Miff for joining me for this one and as always, our thanks to you for tuning in. We'll be back shortly after the game tomorrow with the Match Reaction Show. But in the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. Sponsored by 1010 Podcasts. In times of need, this is what most insurance sounds like. Thank you for holding. What's your policy number? But when you have coverage from AAA, you've got insurance with three A's. And that sounds like this. Thank you for calling AAA. Is everyone okay? So does your insurance sound like insurance? Or does it sound like insurance with AAA, a brand that's been helping members for over 100 years? 
Visit AAA.com slash insurance for a free quote on auto and home coverage. Sports Social Podcast Network.